Well, we're back with podcast number nine, and it is a good one. We are going to be talking about uh, just a ton of things. Um, so much going on. It is now one o'clock in the morning, and uh, this podcast is going to go up in a couple of hours. So the first time you hear this, um, you're going to have everything in perspective. Because today we're going to have Moto Man on again, but it's a little bit unique, or I should say a lot unique, because we are uh, in the city and we got the opportunity. I mean, he got the opportunity and invited me, so full disclosure. And we got to go and see um, the 2015 release of the Cadillac Escalade. And I have to say, it was pretty wild because, I mean, we'll talk more about it in a little bit. But So we're going to talk about the Escalade with uh, Moto Man um, and basically the, the release of it as it comes out and nobody's seen it before and the cameras are going off. It was, it was intense. So lots to talk about there. Um, and a few other um, random things that popped up during this uh, hiatus, I guess, the last two weeks for since the last podcast, I got to see the Pagani Huayra, a very fun word to say, Huayra. Um, I got to see it with Miller Motorcars. They, uh, I guess, signed some deal or worked something out. Those guys are incredible over there and brought this car in and pulled it off the, uh, you know, off the flatbed. And it was just the instant it came off the, the flatbed to the instant it left, it was like pure chaos for four hours or whatever it was. It was incredible. And I shot a video behind the scenes of um, they wanted me to make sure that it was looking appropriate for the entire time, which is uh, right up my alley because that thing was literally a piece of jewelry. So it was my job was to just jewel this piece of jewelry. I, I can't really ask for any more than that. Uh, unfortunately, it was drizzling a little bit, but uh, I had waxed it and you know, was wiping it down with hydrate and sort of keeping it as dry as humanly possible because showstopper. I've never been around a car that was that. I mean, it was up to the Bugatti sort of level of, holy cow, this thing is craziness. So um, we'll talk a little bit about that. That was crazy fun. I also went to uh, the Fast Company um, designers and Fast Thinkers meeting and that sort of thing in the city. Uh, it was a big convention. It was uh, really quite an honor to go to this. And um, I want to thank everybody who was listening because we, in fact, well, I guess let me tell you, explain a little bit of, of that because a lot of people have been asking, hey, did you win or did you lose? Did you this, that kind of thing? And, you know, it looks like we won. And in fact, we did win. We just won. So when you enter the contest, let me back up. When you enter the contest, the company itself picks the winner in secret. So I, I, nobody, nobody knew. But then they take the winner and they pull them to the side. And then they take second place, third place, fourth place, you know, everybody else who's behind the winner and put them in this contest. And now I entered in the contest as the first runner up. Um, so we entered in and I ended up winning that second little contest, which is, you know, you get prizes and things of that nature. But I didn't win the van, uh, but it was still a ton of fun to be entered into that. So that sort of clears up the confusion because people thought if I won that contest, I won the van. But in this case, I just, uh, you know, got to go and go to this massive convention where I saw the CEO of Nike and the CEO of Burberry. And, you know, you get to talk to them and figure out how their business is going. And it's just, it was really great. Uh, it was really about design and branding um, in in this new business era of the 21st century sort of business um, uh, thing. So it was a lot of fun. Anyways, uh, so I've done that. And then we went to Lime Rock uh, probably two weeks ago for the last Grand Am Unfortunately, it's the last Grand Am, but it was the last Grand Am race for the season. And I think, you know, for now, forever, uh, 
So I got to see amazing things. That video has been posted. It was so fun. I'm going to be going to Lime Rock a whole ton, and I'm actually miniaturely sad slash depressed that it's coming into winter. We don't get to do any more racing. I also saw uh, Jim Glickenhouse's P45 there, which was crazy to see in person. That thing is uh, off the charts. We were getting gas, and he just like flew past us, and I was like, what the heck was that? So um, lots of fun things. So the topic today, though, uh, is going to be it's going to be about some topics that I ran into on various occasions. And one occasion when, when I was at carburetors, uh, caffeine and carburetors and working on the Pagani, um, a buddy of mine had a 430 across the way. And he was asking me about polishing clear bras. And I said, hmm, we should talk about that a little bit. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. And we're also going to talk about the paint thickness uh, and the paint thickness gauge. And the reason why we're talking about that is five minutes ago, meaning an hour ago, I just got back from uh, the the launch party for the Escalade, and I was the only psycho, and everybody's looking at me like a nut, um, where I put paint thickness gauge all around there, and I asked the the engineer, the guy who actually built and designed the car, um, what was going on, because the paint thickness gauge was going off of the charts. So typically speaking, so let's just get into it. Typically speaking, uh, let's call it a normal car. Remember, this is this is still a normal car, but I wouldn't go so far as to call it a prototype. It's a 2015 release. So this is these are cars that Cadillac, the company, was um, or has made and painted and taken care of, and meaning all the press and whatnot are going to be in there. And it was massive on stage with the CEO and all these big people. So it wasn't uh, you know a typical assembly car. They they took more time on it, and it showed in terms of the thickness of the paint. I don't think anybody's ever done that uh, up on the stage. So the way it worked was inside the door frame, you know, typically we start in the door frame to, to get a baseline because uh, usually they don't paint that as much. I'm using air quotes here, typically than the outside. So the inside had 16 mils on the inside of the door frame. A lot of you detailers out there are probably scratching your head going, holy geez, that's a lot of clear coat. And I'll tell you what's standard in a minute. Going around the outside of the car, you sitting down for this, was about anywhere from 36 to 48 mils. That's like, that's a lot of mils. That's that's enough where you can almost see it kind of thing. That's so much. Um, and then when I asked the, uh, you know, the engineer, he's like, yeah, we painted this like 50 times because we wanted it to look a certain way and such and such. So that totally makes sense. And I'm not by any means knocking it. I would have done the same thing. It was cool to see... Um, the inside. So if we opened up the the hood, then the the bars and the metal and the and the and the pieces of metal that connect the hood um, to the actual body or the frame, usually those are not really painted. These were painted in the same condition as the exterior paint. So I mean, these guys were just going nuts on the inside. It looked really cool. Anyways, um, I measured all that stuff, and it was still well above sixteen. So to back up a little bit. To, to give you a little perspective on, to, on, on what is normal and what's not normal. Again, this is very general. Most cars you know, vary um, drastically based on whether they've been repainted at a body shop or if they're original OEM uh, factory paint. So typically speaking, the way that we at least teach people is they, it goes in mils, and mils are ten thousandths of an inch. And what's normal on a car is four mils. And that's generally the thickness of a piece of paper. Again, this can vary, so don't pin me to the wall here. But 
uh, for argument's sake or for discussion purposes, let's consider it four mils. We can do four or five, six, but four mils. Uh, four mils, if you hold up a piece of paper and look at it the thin ways, that's generally the you know uh, little acronym or example that we use when we're giving, you know, de you know, pro detailers give demonstrations or what have you. Or the other one is if you take the wrapper off a cigarette lighter, you know, that little plastic thing, I don't smoke, but the plastic thing that the, you know, smokers take off, if you smash the two of those together, those, those thin little pieces of plastic, if you smash the two of them together, that's the thickness um, that is uh, considered the entire paint. Now, this is the concept that sometimes eludes people. When I mean four to five mils as the entire paint, that means the base, the, uh, the color coat, and the clear coat. So the big question is, how do you possibly know what the clear coat is? Because when we're polishing and doing all the things or repairing or dueling or whatever you're doing, you're doing it to the clear coat. You're not actually doing it to the paint. Obviously, there's a caveat if, if it's you know earlier than 1986 and it has single stage clear coat, where that's a completely different subject or topic. But right now we're talking about clear coats. So how do you possibly know? The trick is, so going back to my story, the trick is you go on the inside of the door and it gives you a good idea. It's not a foolproof proof way, but over time and experience, you can sort of um, figure out what's right and what's wrong. So if you open up the door and go in the door frame and you measure the paint thickness and then go on the outside and you sort of get an average as well, if there's a gap, so let's use a very typical example. If I were to do it, let's say in my Impala or one of my other cars, it'll probably tell me two or three mils. And then if I do the outside of the car, it'll tell me four or five. So the difference between four and two is obviously two. So that gives me a pretty good idea that there's two mils left on there. Um, and two mils is generally speaking the amount of clear coat that's on uh, the exterior of a car. So what do you do with that information? Let me use another example. If you go and these vary drastically, so you have to kind of roll with the punches. And um, these are only indicators. They're by no means a definitive answer on anything. So I want to be very clear on that so nobody burns through their paint. But it's just a few of the little steps or little tricks or little things that I do to assess what's going on. But there's 50 of those little things that I do to assess it. So this is just one of them. So when I go, I'm using another example now. So when I go in the door frame again and it goes, uh, let's call it, three, right? So I put the machine on there, bang, it says three. And then I go on the outside of the car and it says 3.5 or four. That means to me multiple things. One, uh, the manufacturer didn't paint it right, which generally isn't the case. Or two, the bigger one is this car had been detailed before. Now, when I run into something like this, my next little question I'd ask is, hey, you know, Joe Smith or whatever, uh, has anybody buffed this car? Has anybody detailed? Has anybody wet sanded? What, what's, what's going on here? Because there's not a whole lot of clear coat if you do the math. So if I said three and the clear coat was four, I mean the outside was four, that means there's only one mil. Now, in, generally speaking, you cannot remove more than, this industry standard they call it, you, you can't remove more than a half a mil. That's when things get a little dicey. And the reason why is the UVA and the UVB coatings that, um, or inhibitors I should call them in the clear coat, they rise to the surface during the drying stage of, of when you're putting clear coat on. So they rise to the surface to protect the paint underneath. And that's why clear coats now, generally speaking, don't have um, as much paint fade as let's call it single stage paints or things of that nature. 
So as they rise to the surface, if you're then abrading them or degrading them or leveling them or whatever you want to call it, you're removing them, you're going to lose a little bit of that strength. That's why um, I always joke that you know the, the really expensive cars and the really, the really great detailers, which there are a lot of them out there, um, the people who want them or who uh, pay the money to have them come and, and work on their car, the joke is they're paying this person to do the least amount of work as possible, which is kind of funny because you want them to do everything and, you know, lick the crevices over here and, you know, all these crazy things. But, you know, for analogy purposes, you're really, you're really paying that person to do the least amount of work humanly possible to get the car in the best condition. And my example of that is, or, or my proof of that is as the UVA and the UVB, um, inhibitors rise to the surface. You want to keep as, as, mu as much as that as possible. You don't want to just grind everything away. So finding that uh, surgeon-like um, surgeon -like, uh, eye or experience, or I can't think of the right word because it's one o'clock in the morning, but if, if that, you got to find it so that you just don't bury everything or take everything away that's unnecessary. So I'm sure most of you know that by now. And that's kind of the... Um, Anyways, that's what I found, and all these things rushed into my head. I was like, ooh, I should do this on a podcast not more than a couple of hours ago um, on this 2015 Cadillac Escalade. So the moral of the story is I knew, and it was kind of, kind of creepy. Like They were like, ooh, how did you know that? Nobody knows that behind-the-scenes kind of thing. I knew by putting this machine on there, uh, I even got the, the head engineer guy who built the car to come off the – off the ground he was uh you know talking to somebody and i was on stage so he got up on stage and came over to me and was like what is going on here with this machine and i explained to him and i said i can tell that you guys either are spending a fortune on painting these cars or this is in fact um you know a press release kind of car he's like oh yeah absolutely we had it painted you know even more even you know put more layers on i was like oh, okay and he looked at me like wow how did you know that and of course it was just the machine and doing this for a while that I, I know that there's not 48 mils. I could, I could have wet sanded that, uh, for the last three hours and been perfectly fine. I'm kidding, of course. So that leads me to my other topic, uh, that happened this weekend. So these are, these are kind of relevant because, uh, it happened all within the last, you know, 36 or 48 hours. So my buddy came to me with a 430 silver and he showed me in his clear bra and he had the whole nose clear bra. It was actually a nice clear bra because I couldn't really tell it from a five foot we call it a five-footer. You couldn't even tell. It was all wrapped around. There wasn't any really creases or any of that stuff. So um, he showed me a scratch, and from five feet away, I was like, oh, well, it looks like I can get that out. Of course, I didn't say that out loud because you never want to have a customer or even a friend think that you can get something out without doing that. So that's a uh, little expectations management there. But uh, I looked at it, and, went, and I, as I felt it, I could feel I could feel that it, was, it had that – it wasn't paint, meaning it, there was something on top of it. Obviously, it was a clear coat. So in the past, in that 996 video, I actually can't remember if I have it on camera or not, but I polished out a horrible, horrific um, clear bra, and it is possible to do. But the downsides are massive, and what I mean by the downsides are there's, there's glue clearly underneath, um, you know, as part of that clear bra. That's, that's the whole thing where you see things yellowing and uh, it was kind of old, and, I, and we also talked about this in one of the Drive Clean episodes, the Clear Bra episode, ironically. Um, so uh, he really wanted me to polish it, but again, the downsides are so dangerous. There's nothing really wrong with it. It just had a tiny little um, crease in it or, or scratch in it. 
So I, I recommended that he actually just replace that little spot there because there's a few other nicks and what have you. But this one was probably six or eight inches long, and it seemed like something just rubbed against it and clearly marred um, the clear bob. But there are a few tricks to do it, and one of them is you can polish it. When you polish it, use a very soft foam pad and use polish and try that as soft and slow as humanly possible. Um, and then just like paint, work your way up into more and more aggressive things. But I have to warn you, I have to caution you, you really don't want to go too crazy with that because what will happen is it'll turn white and milky and just scare the living daylights out of you because um, it, 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 believe me. Um, so I, I don't want to advocate. I didn't, I wasn't even sure that I wanted to talk about it because I didn't, I didn't want to get people um, trying something like that. But if you are going to try, go with the least aggressive thing, just like you would paint. Uh, and I have done it with polish. Now, there's another thing that you can do um, that I would recommend doing first. But again, you have to have a little, um, you got to have some hands to do it, meaning you can't be heavy footed <laughs> or heavy handed rather um, with it. You can use a heat gun and try to heat up the clear bra a little bit. I don't want to get like 5,000 emails about this, but you can heat it up just a little bit, not too much to burn the glue underneath or to obviously burn the clear bra. That would be bad. Uh, defeat the entire purpose, by the way, because uh, you have to remove it. Uh, you heat it up a little bit and you can kind of massage it with your finger and kind of get that plastic to, uh, or the, yeah, the clear bra to kind of manipulate itself to coming flat again. So um, there's a few different ways to get around that. Um, but at the end of the day, like I've said a million times, clear bras are designed to actually be removed. So um, they're designed to absorb the rocks, absorb the bugs, absorb the hits so that the paint actually doesn't do that. So I don't know. He's between a rock and a hard place. If it was my car, I'd try to buff it. But, you know, for all your pro detailers out there, you know, if you, if you, if you figure it out, you look like a hero. And I was lucky enough to get it on the 996. But I knew in the back of my mind, he was already taking it off. It was like, he's like, oh, it looks horrible. So I, I kind of didn't have anything to lose. So if you have something to lose, which I would imagine is 99.9% .9 of the people who you would try to do this on, just from an experienced um, detailer of doing like an exorbitant amount of exotic cars, uh, the, the risk is too high for you as a detailer, unless you're charging a ridiculous amount of money to do it. And then I would say absolutely do it and understand and, and grasp and embrace the the consequences that are going to happen when you potentially could burn through a clear bot. Be prepared to spend a thousand or two to replace that. And that only seems fair. So figure out where you are in that spectrum of business, meaning is, hey, is it worth the risk? Do I have the insurance to cover it? That kind of thing. But the bottom line is, and I'm saying this reluctantly, you can repair some clear bras. And I know people um, maybe are more eager to do it. And I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just, I don't want to give out any advice um, and and have people do it because that that is very technical and very, uh, takes a lot of uh, understanding your machines and how quickly things can burn through. So that's sort of my little uh, tidbits on paint thickness polishing. And I want to end our little uh, detailing powwow um, with the latest video that we had, which is removing squirrels on black paint, which is, a, I thought it was a great video. It, you know, I, <laughs> I thought it was a great video. No, meaning from a, I'm pretty critical on, on watching all of them. And it was good. It was a lot of information, uh, really showed people uh, one way or the other. Um, and, but I got a lot of emails saying, Hey Larry, 
I know you did the video and you, you know, you said nice things about the flicks and you said nice things about the roops and you said nice things about the gross garage and you said, you know, all these, and they said, well, at the end of the day, what do you have in your, in your, you know, your truck or your shop or whatever, uh, which is mobile, which we should probably do another podcast on mobile detailing. That's a, that's a five parter. Cause that's a lot of information. Anyways, um, the answer is I have all of them because all of those machines were mine. If you were asked me the question of which one, you know, if you were trapped on a desert island or that kind of thing, what would you have? I'm just going to be honest with you. I would take the, um, I never say his name right, but it doesn't matter. Grows Garage or Rots Garage or whatever. Um, the six inch polisher for a hundred dollars or whatever it is. It's got way, way more torque than the, than um, any other dual action, standard dual action, meaning a, a standard throw dual action. Um, so I would definitely take that one. And then, I kind of feel like there's a drum roll here, but then as much as I like the flex, um, it, it does cause me a little bit of personal discomfort. And I know a lot of you might be giggling right now, but, um, if you've ever met me or whatever, I'm a relatively tall, lanky guy. So to have me bend over and work on cars, it just has a funky throw. I'm not saying it's a bad machine. It just hurts my back. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know any other way to say that. So, uh, I like the roops, the the roops. Yeah, the roops. I like the roops. The difference for me or the little learning curve, because at the beginning, I didn't really like the, the, the roops because it's because it throws so much and has that swing or throw, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the way it starts up is a little wonky, a little funky. It goes like, and then, then goes. It's, I don't know if that helped <laughs> on a podcast, but it has a, it has a bit of a weird um, start because it's not just shaking. It also needs to move. And when there's lots of pressure on it, it kind of has a funky wobble. But once, you know, you break that, you know, they call it a coefficient of friction. Once you break that coefficient of friction and you're, you're, you're moving again, it's super smooth. Um, and then the crazy upgrade that I got from my, my buddy Dave at Street Dreams, uh, who's now in San Diego, I think. Uh, so he's out in California. So any crazy detailing that you need, he's the man. But anyways, he gave me one of the washers that I think, you know, I'm sure he didn't come up with it, meaning I know a bunch of other guys do. So I don't want to give credit where credit is this. He definitely gave it to me. He's the man. He's uh, amazing. But I know uh, a lot of times detailers are sensitive about who did this and that. Um, I think it was Kevin Brown. I think Kevin Brown got it from somebody. I don't know what it is, but to credit credit to everybody, I don't uh, remember specifically who it was, but they put a washer uh, in there and you have to sand it down and do a few little minor things, but once you put the washer in the Roops polisher, what happens is that pad, I got to shoot a video on this, the pad, the backing plate moves off of the housing unit that it, that it sits on. When it moves off of it, you've basically just created like a little, um, no pun intended, a little washer, a little space that this thing can now spin like crazy. Now with that spin and the throw, there's a point to this conversation, I picked the Roops because, or I use the roops because it corrects much faster. So the bottom line is this, and I've said it a, a bunch of times, the Grows Garage is perfectly fine if you're a weekend war warrior, but if you're looking to pick up some extra time savings, and that's a big deal for me, because that translates into profit, uh, the roops pays for itself in my humble opinion. So the roops with the washer, unbelievable. And I'll leave you with this last little trick or tip before we hop into the uh moto man thing because it's it's actually pretty cool i'm exhausted because this uh this has been a long day but the uh 
the last little thing is buy the 15 inch backing plate for the 21. So buy the 21, uh, you know, inch machine, the big throw, and then buy the backing plate for the 15, and then you can just switch them out. So if you, for some reason, only want to use the 15 in certain areas or what have you, um, you can do that and it's 30 bucks and you don't need to buy two machines. Anyways, that's my little two cents. And then I use, uh, I use the air compressor for the tiny little three inch, which is a ridiculous machine. It's so nice. Um, but you need to have a compressor. So anyways, those are little, um, tidbits on, uh, you know, some of the machines that I actually use from day to day. So without further ado, let's hop in. Um, and we did this podcast on site at my uh, office in Manhattan and, uh, it was pretty fun. There are lots of cool things going on. I just want to set the stage that he and I went in uh, downtown Manhattan to the uh, premiere of uh, the 2015 Cadillac Escalade, like I said in the beginning of the podcast. But you have to kind of understand. It's like I'm sure some of you have seen it on the news or whatever. I've never been to one of them, so I was kind of like, whoa, this is cool, where there's like the smoke machine and the car comes out from nowhere and they turn the lights down and – you know, there's going to be all these uh, uh, musicians and the Far East Movement group or whatever is singing and or dancing or whatever. And uh, it was it's like a pretty big deal. And when you walk into the place, when we um, when you do that, they actually take your phones and they put these little strips on them so that you can't send pictures out. I mean, it's like it's hardcore, like secrecy. And there's like guards around it. And there's, you know. So the big thing is they don't want you to take a picture and post it beforehand. But now that it's out and it's open and all the pictures were there, uh, you know, everybody, you know, taking pictures or whatever, uh, now it's uh, kind of a big deal. And it's a cool car. So we're going to talk about that with Moto Man coming up right now. That's right. In the greatest city in the world. Manhattan. Yes. It's a big day for us. Happy it, it is. I am starting to... We've been walking around and doing so much uh, looking at amazing cars. My brain's about to explode. This is too much. I think this is too much excitement for you. <laughs> I think I, I, I hit you with this too fast. Yes. Yes. I should have broke you in with something like, yeah, maybe like, I don't know, the new Hyundai Elantra. Yeah. Like when you start me off with the 2015 Escalade, I don't know. What was 2015? It's an amazing year. I don't know. It's 2013. It is. We haven't even gotten to 14. You know what? I didn't even piece that together. And it's 2015. <laughs> is this truck we're talking about? Yeah. Why? I, You're the car genius. Tell me why. Why are you asking me? Because you have more answers than this guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're the businessman. You get this stuff figured out. <laughs> I'm just a starving artist that can't figure things out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. It's a good. That's probably a branding thing. I don't well, know. Back in the day, it kind of worked like this. The new cars came out in September. Yeah. And it was the salt. I was. I am not old enough to to have lived through this. Oh yeah. But what I've been told, the local car dealership would have the car sitting out for like a week, and they'd have a they'd have a silk over it. The the, the new 1958 are going to be here, and it was a big deal. Yeah. And that's the first ever, anyone ever saw of these. The new 1958s. And then they started bringing the cars out with auto shows. Motorama GM started doing it. And then they did the traveling auto shows, New York auto show, LA auto show, Chicago auto show. And then now they do these worldwide reveals. And it 
used to be like, okay, here's the film, and they pass it around like the AP. Mm -hmm. Now things are leaked on the internet. Leaked. I think it's just the way people absorb information nowadays. So maybe that's why they're doing this a year and a half early thing. It's 2015 as opposed to a 2000. Why are you springing this on me now? I had no time to think about it. Because I think <laughs> I'm mentally challenged. Apparently, yeah. I did, I did, well, you know what? I'm thinking about it now. I'm going, why did I not even recognize that yeah. as a, just when you're standing in front of the car, you forget. You're looking at the headlights. You're like, I forgot about the year. I'm just looking at the headlights. Just like you didn't get the whole thing about the hanging pretzel. That totally that went past me. Yes. Explain the, the pretzel thing for people uh, no, who are not. I think we should do a little shameless promotion. Okay. People should see your behind the scenes video. Yes, I'm shooting to a To see the shameless pretzel. Not, well, I'm going to say shameless. To see the, the hanging pretzel. Yes, the shameless plug of the pretzels. Yeah. So that means they have to watch, where do they watch this? The AmmoNYC.com. And that is a behind the scenes film of what? By the way, guys, uh, if you can't see me, because you can't, I'm on a podcast. I'm holding up a big board, and George is reading right off of it, The Moto Man, and... Uh, Thank you. Yes, thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Bruce Wayne and Batman are in the same room. Yes, right you didn't hear that, anybody. He's, uh, he's only referred to as the Moto Man. But yeah, uh, check out the video. It's going to be good. We're shooting some cool things. And check out your, why don't we plug yours? You're on. Oh, absolutely. Well, this is kind of the whole reason why we're here is we're, forget about 2015. Really, it's all about the Cadillac. You, you threw me for a loop here. I'm still recovering from 2015. But yes, carry on. Let me quit, man. Let me quit. <laughs> 2015 Cadillac Escalade. That is the reason why I am in the city here, visiting my hometown, visiting with you. Yes. And I think that was very kind of me to bring you along. <laughs> yes, it was. In fact, you are an extremely kind, generous, amazing, slash sexy man. Perhaps a bridge too far. Okay, well. But, speaking of sexy, 2015 Cadillac Escalade. Very true. So we, the car hasn't even been revealed yet. No one else has seen it. That's actually very true. I was surprised that... I thought there'd be more people, but you definitely got some. Oh no! You have some it strings, my friend, that you yanked on. 4:58 p.m. East Coast time. The reveal is not till 7 p.m. We have already shot this vehicle. This is true. Yeah. I sat in the car. I was pretty privileged. I felt yeah. like a uh, rock star. And you got yelled at for touching it. I did. I did. I didn't. Yes, I got. I wanted to tell him, hey, I have microfiber towels. I could wipe it down, but we didn't get that I, far. I love it. That <laughs> Like the hired help detailers came to like the guru of detailers and yeah. said, "Don't touch the car." Hey, I totally uh, respect that. I would have done the same thing. So, as an Escalade owner, previous Escalade owner, what do you sure. think? Sure, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was amazing. We talked about it on camera about the. Uh, I think you said it a little bit more eloquent than I'm about to, but it's the sum of all the pieces that work in this beautiful arrangement or bouquet of. Uh, of what the new Escalade is now. It's slightly smaller, it feels like. Do you know the stats on that? It's smaller, but it does, it looks less tech. So like to me, it looks smaller, but it really isn't. It's about the same length. Really? The weight, you know, we, we got to talk to the uh, executive chief engineer of Cadillac, who is David Leone. Yes. Uh, and he told us that it, they did some weight-saving things, like they've, it's got an all-aluminum hood now. You know that? I did not know that. All aluminum hood on an Escalade, all aluminum rear hatch, that's aluminum. Mm. Um, the A-arms, aluminum. So you would think the overall vehicle would be less weight. Actually, it's not because they put more safety stuff in. So it's effectively, it's a net-net, yeah. you know, unchanged, as they say, in the market. Yeah. No, I totally get it. I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but did you notice the guy's voice? That guy's voice? Which guy? David Leone? Yeah. His incredible voice. Oh, he should have like a voiceover. Oh my God. 
he just seemed powerful. Yeah, those big boys. Yeah. It's like, whoa, I was mesmerized by a man's voice. Well, maybe that's why he's <laughs> been in the GM for 34 years. That's why he's got the big title? Very big title. Basically, there's him, and there's a guy named by the name of Taz Juchter, and they both have this, the, the coolest job at the company. Mm. This guy, he is the executive chief engineer of all Cadillacs. So he's the guy that says, you know what? I'm sick of this 300 horsepower crap. We're going to throw two turbos on this thing and bring out real horsepower. Now yeah. they've got a 440 horsepower car. Yeah. And he's also the guy that said, eh, you know what? The Escalade 403 horsepower, that's not enough. Now they got 420. So he's the guy making the decisions. This guy, this other guy, Tad, who I met this week, I just went to the Corvette factory. You and I are going to have this conversation in another podcast all about the, the, cold, the Corvette factory in Bowling Green. It's an amazing place. But that's for a story for another day. Tad, he's like you. He's like laser focused. He doesn't care about anything else. It's just like, if it's not what I got to do, do it now, just don't bother me. And this guy has completely transformed that car. And that's executive chief engineer of the Corvette. Imagine really? that job. Imagine having that title. That's a nice title. I wonder if you get cars for that. Have they just given Corvettes? He built them. This guy is so detail-oriented. Let me tell you how detail-oriented he is. And you would appreciate this being a detail guy. When he goes to the factory, he has a cover for his belt buckle, a Ooh. cover for his watch, and a cover for his wedding ring. I want that. Right? I'm trying to look for one of those. Yeah, well, That's why I wear gloves. I'll ask him. I should. Look at this. I'm showing you my belt. I have a detailer's belt on. With no belt buckle. See that? This is all. You should brand those things. At, at I should. And sell them. I should. So Nobody take that idea. That's my idea. Go ahead. Keep yeah. <laughs> you have your detailed stuff. Your detail empire, which includes a KTM in there. It's very cool. Which is five feet away from us right now. Yeah. So anyway, back to 2015. Yes. There were some changes I thought were pretty groundbreaking for a Cadillac. For an Escalade. What, when, you, when you think Escalade, what's the first thing you think? I think big. Big, brash. In your face. Bling. Bling, bling is a great. Big, bling. Um, I guess I want to use the word pimp. It, it feels it very pimp to me. It's like I agree. I'm, I'm the man kind of. I don't know. I, that's what I envisioned and what I thought of when I bought it in 2009. And what's the first thing they changed on this? And the first thing you notice? It's, it's elegant. It's refined. The headlights are like these beautiful pieces of oh, art, and it's that's a whole different story. so it's like they don't ha they don't ha they still have the big grill, but it's not the bling bling. That's the thing that you notice. It's it's satin finish. Yeah, I think I like that a lot more than the punch in the face. It's more of the I'm here, I'm quiet. And I I always say this joke when we're talking about business or whatever. The guy who's in the room, this isn't quite a great analogy, but the guy who's in the room and he's wearing sweatpants and he's quiet and he's nice and he has a little soda in his hand mm -hmm. and a hat on and everybody else is in like a million dollar suit and they're wearing, that's usually the billionaire, the guy who's like oh, yeah. kind of understated. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say that with the Cadillac. It's not that understated, but it's, it still has a presence, but it's not like check out my shiny watch. Kind this of thing. is a situation where I strongly believe less is more. Like going Absolutely. with a satin finish, yeah. and you could even get a satin finish wood in this Escalade. Like doing those things, it's overall now a more understated vehicle. Yeah. And I think, at least to me, is just a better piece of kit in, in its entirety. That's what I think. I, I cannot agree with you anymore. The thing that I keep asking myself, and do we know this information? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot now. What, what's this going to come out at, price-wise? Uh, uh, the idea is to find out right now? This is one of the downsides of being early access. You don't get everything. 
No. Oh, that's I cool. don't know if we're even going to talk numbers tonight. It could be $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> I would be shocked if it's more than the outgoing car. Yeah. It's probably going to be about the same. Because it seems like when they, manufacturers, not Cadillac, but whoever, they seem to, just like gas prices, there's this constantly this little Actually, no. bump up. Recent years, and I, I'm not mean like downturn in economy not, years. Not just since the economy fell off a cliff, but even before that. In recent years, and I'm saying ten years, put aside the pace of inflation, the outgoing vehicle is usually the dictate, the indicator of the price of the incoming vehicle. Like for example, the new Mercedes-Benz S-Class, the new one, which is a technological tour de force and significantly better than the previous one, mm. is actually less. Really? In both real dollars it, and base. That has nothing to do with the um, residuals on that particular vehicle? It has nothing to do with the residuals. It's, there's more content, and they're bringing out a vehicle that's, so I, I'll make it up. Let's say the previous one was 95, this one's 93. That's not the real numbers, but that's the kind of difference. Mm -hmm. That's been the trend. The only one to buck the trend, and I know it's going to sound like we're all Cadillac all the time, is the CTS. But there's a reason why they did it. The current CTS is, a, is like a tweener. It's in between the size of a three and a five. So they priced accordingly. When that car came out, there was no ATS. Now there is an ATS which can fight the three. So what they've done is they've moved not only the size of the CTS, but they've moved the price up to the five series. Hmm. So it's 46 instead of 40. You're not doing that with this Escalade. It's still the same vehicle. But a very interesting thing about this segment, I, you know, when I went to the first, I want to say one of the first launches I ever went to was the Infiniti QX56. And they, it, was a, it was a kind of an, uh, uh, a lesson in business for me in that the contrarian investor, and I've kind of, I've kind of always known this in my own investing, this is what I've done, the contrarian investor usually is the one that profits the most. And what Nissan did in that case is they said, wait a minute, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when everybody wanted an SUV, there was a lot to choose from. And for the car manufacturers, forget about you, the guy that wants to pull your boat, forget about you, the guy that needs the third row for your, for your rug rack. Those car companies, they make 10, 15 grand a copy on these cars. This is where they make their money, not on a Ford Focus. They make their money on these, in the S-Class. Hmm. So if you're selling a lot of these big, huge, trucks at 15 grand a copy, you want to sell as many as you can get. Well, what happened as we got closer to 2008? The segment started to shrink, and then we hit 2008, and then the economy fell off a cliff. Gas prices, remember, were in four, at least in California, it hit $4 for the first time. Absolutely, here. Those sales literally just stopped overnight. No one bought those vehicles. So then, Ford dropped the Expedition. They dropped the Lincoln version of the Expedition. They didn't sell as many uh, Escalades. They didn't sell as many Tahoes, Suburbans. Uh, Lexus stopped making their version. Actually, there's not as many of their versions. So now, what do you have left? Now all you got is the Escalade and the Infiniti. Granted, you get the Range Rover, but the Range Rover is a different kind of person who mm -hmm. that car. So I'm completely separating that out. So. Nissan took this interesting tact and said, you know what? Now we have less players in the field. We have the market more open to ourselves. Let's throw into the market the best product we can make. The best. 
So what they did is they took it off the pickup truck platform, put it on the Nissan Patrol platform, and literally turned the Infiniti 356 from a gussied up pickup truck, effectively, that was what we were the frame came from, to this amazing Nissan Patrol that the UN uses to go inspect the bombs. That is literally the car that they use? That's literally the car they use, Nissan Patrol. Go look at, wow. go watch any film. They don't use it regularly. It's now in my mind, because I remember looking at that, you know, they yeah, have the big CNN. UN sign on it, yeah. Nissan Patrol. So oh. they based it off that, and what happens? Here you got a $70,000 truck in 2009 and 10, and it, you couldn't, they couldn't build enough. People lined up for the 256. I remember a buddy of mine got one for his wife. He couldn't get one. I in, tried to get it in the deal. US. They were like, no one wants to sell you one for a discount. And if we're selling it, what we can do? In 2010. So hmm. now Cadillac is saying, well, hold on a minute. These Infinity guys are onto something here. They've refined their product, they've made it a better product. They've differentiated the vehicle from the, the pickup truck based Fiat 56. So Dave Leone and I, we, we went through the car before we got there. So they did a couple of things. Number one, it's got a lot more technology. So you know those drive rates, like the, the lane departure thing? Yeah. The Escalade now has it. Mm. They got the camera built into the car. Uh, here's a simple one. And I didn't know this. The Escalade didn't have the proximity sensor for the seat. When you can get an Escalade up to 90 grand, you still have to pull your key out, press the button, Oh, so now and you put the key in the dash to start it. Now it's a proximity. You open the door, press the button to start, and that's it. So in theory, you never have to take it out of your pocket. Never, which is what, which is like the. It's not breaking technology. It's just for, for any kind of yeah. Car. Yeah. So I get it. So they did that, and then they also put in, like you, you look at other Cadillacs, the cut and sew interior, the prettier interior. They did that for this car. Yeah, when we were doing our little walkthrough, it showed that they had a bit of Alcantara, or we're not going to go so far as to call it suede, is it? Well, we, they didn't buy the Alcantara brand, so it is suede. Oh, really? Yeah. So you have to call it suede. You have to call it suede. Well, on the door, it's, it's I believe it's suede, but on the headliner, it's a manufacturing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about how it was leather, then suede. suede. Then wood. Then wood. Yeah, the door seems like there's like 50 different components in there. You know, I, I see what they're going for. They did the same thing on the CTS. They've got these, they've got this to convey, look, we've, we've, we've addressed this build quality. Even mm. that I showed you this afternoon, on the side of the dashboard where you don't even see, but only when the door's open, even that has the cut and sew yeah. upholstery on it. The bottom of the door seemed a little strange. They didn't. That one, yeah. I don't know if that's a pre-production thing or maybe th if that's what stays there, that's the one downside of solid materials, a little bit brittle plastic. Yeah, it's got that, it's that hard, like constantly looking greasy plastic Yeah, I don't think thing. even you can look on the I, I, Not really, unless you scuff it up or something, but yeah, it's kind of... What, so what uh, grit of sandpaper would you need? I would need probably 5,000 grit sandpaper just to knock that down a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, it's... But I love the, uh, the center console is... is very spaceship-esque kind of. It's like, yeah, it's got this weird, it's very modern. I, I dig it, I, I really like I it. I would have moved the shifter to the console. I don't like that the shifter is still up on the column. Yeah. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I agree with you, but I don't know where, if you'd put it on the, you'd kind of mess up the flow of the whole car. Not 
really, because you'd still have the, the, the flow coming down from the Q system. The only thing you would have, you would lose that like four couples. That's what I'm saying. You could move those. Back. I need my cups. The people who are riding in these cars have big cups of coffee, and you have to recognize that. So when you have a cowboy Cadillac like this, you need your big coffee. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't even drink coffee. I just have to get That's it. why they moved the shifter to the column? That is the technical reason, yes. That, yeah, that's why. That they consulted with me, and I said, yeah. these guys need coffee. I'm a Diet Coke fiend, but not Donald Trump fiend, where I, I would prefer <laughs> to put the shifter in. No. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's cool. I like the push-button start. I actually like the way they, I don't know, is this going to be on the, all the cars? It kind of tilted it, too. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that. Or maybe, I was, maybe it was just me tilted, but it looked like it was tilted, so it's easier to push. I just, ha I don't know why I recognized that out of, out of everything. Well, it wasn't like a perfectly level. Really? Yeah, it was kind of like well, twisted. Go back there tonight, I'm going to take a look at that. Yeah, you can prove me wrong. A heads up display. Oh, completely. Heads up display for the first time. Heads up on that. Heads up display. I asked Dave Leon, I asked him, I said, Dave, you know, I think, I don't understand why every car doesn't have heads up display. It's just simply a safety thing. Hmm. Just drive any car with heads up display. Your eyes and you guys can't see me, but you're looking straight out. He's road. looking straight out right now. <laughs> yeah. But why wouldn't you put it there? He was, you know, Dave, he's an engineer. He was too blessed. He goes, what, what was C the first cars, year? Was C6 come out with heads up, heads up display? Oh, no. Wait, Oldsmobile back in the day had them. Oldsmobiles? Yeah, remember the Oldsmobile, the Cutlass Sierra International Series? That was the first heads up display? First heads up display in General Motors. That must have been like bonkers when that came out. Oh, it, 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 was like, it was like taking like a Mac Mini. Actually, it was bigger than a Mac Mini today. It was sitting on top of your dashboard, and it shot. The, the image into the screen. So really, you had to look around this Mac Mini side to the plastics to see the heads-up display. So it kind of... Yeah. So that was the first one in General Motors, and then Nissan did one of the 240SX, but that one was more elegant. It actually, like they are today, where they're buried into the dash, that mm. one was buried into the dash, and all it was was like over here, meaning kind of off to your left, and you would look, and you could see just the uh, speedometer. Where the Oldsmobile, they had the turn signals, and they had you, you could scroll through and put the tachometer in there. Then it made its way to the uh, what is it, the Corvette? And then was it the late nineties, early two thousands? BMW started putting in some of their cars. Yeah, now so it Mazda seems like has it. they've done a they've done a lot of upgrades. Not like, like we said in the video, uh, which you need to watch by the way. Uh, that there's just a ton of little things that they did. Nothing like. Massive, where they threw out. Well, the basic concept is there. Yeah. It's the same six point. Well, it's not the same. It is still a six point two liter V eight, but it is a totally new six point two liter V eight. It has more torque, more horsepower. It is related to the six two that's in the vest. So Dave and Taz got together and kind of shared their engine. Uh, it's not the same engine. Yeah. There are their components. I think the block is similar, but it's got four hundred twenty horsepower and I believe four hundred forty pound feet of torque. Don't quote me on the on the torque. It might be like 443 or 440, something like that. The horsepower is 17 improvement. Uh, the torque is 40 pounds improvement. You know what we need to get a hold of tonight? The guy who invented or made or designed or whatever you want to call it, the lights. That is by far, hands down, the coolest aspect of this car. The headlights, the taillights. Oh, the taillights. We forgot about the taillights. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm saving all the good stuff the for the end. Okay, we're sitting in, so we're sitting in the, the, the palatial headquarters of Adam NYC, 
Mayakopki and what Admiral NYC uh, building. Executive Tower. That's right, thank you. Here in downtown NYC. That's right. Which eclipses the Freedom Tower from what I understand. Uh, yeah, we look down on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold for edit? Okay, yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, and in this conference room, there are floor to ceiling windows. This taillight is the automotive equivalent of a floor to ceiling window. Yeah. It is by far one of the most interesting design features I've it's seen. It's over three feet, you would say. It's, it's, it is the entire height from the bumper to the roof of the vehicle. Yes, that is exactly true. And, what's, and if you notice too, I just, I just forgot to say this. Um, I wanted to do that on camera. If you look at the back of it, it's wrapped around. So if, you, if, if I had my arms around the entire uh, you know, car in theory, yeah. if you, wrap, you can wrap it around, it, it, it sticks out and comes back in. It's not flush. Did you notice that? You oh, have yeah. to go back and look at that. Yeah. So if you're standing to on the driver's side back and look towards the passenger side and you're in the rear, you can see that the, there's lights that are um, flat against the, the, the uh, trunk. It's hard to explain. We've got to shoot some video on that. But it's not normal where they're just flush and you just stand there and you see that one light. So you can actually see the lights wrap around the entire edge. That's a design thing, a theme that uh, thing here I am trying to talk a little real. Um, this is a design theme that Cadillac's been putting in all their cars. Do you remember the Cadillacs from the 70s and 80s? I mean, I saw pictures of them, but I wasn't yeah. alive. So they had that fin. It was like a very mild version of the fin from back in the 50s. Very mild. So if you look at like an XTS today or a CTS today, any Cadillac really, mm. they all have that. Where it's not flush with the body. It is a very small derivation of a fin or interpretation of a fin. But this is by far the best because of the size. The oh, height. so that's that's a throw. Okay, that's a throwback to Cadillacs. Another thing they did. Oh, that's the that's even cooler than the headlights. Now that I, I didn't put piece oh, all that so together, cool. that's way cooler. And did you see on the dashboard? And you were there when I was filming with Dave inside the car. Yeah. The top of the dash, it kind of bows out in the center, and that harkens back to like the Fleetwoods of the seventies. Oh. This totally is all making sense to me now. It's a totally neat design touch. I'm learning. But it, it's not like, remember the 2000, what is it, 2002 Thunderbird? The Ford Thunderbird was, was a carbon copy of the 57 oh, car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not a carbon copy. This is, we need to be relevant today. I totally forgot about that Thunderbird, by the way. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, those are not. I mean, they're holding their value, but you'll never make money on this. Anyways, yikes. Uh, then lastly, the headlights. I thought were also spectacular. There's four vertical. Is that vertical? Yeah, vertical. Four vertical uh, like crystal lights. And those are the high beams. And then to the adjacent side of it, to the right, to the left, depending on driver's side or passenger side, there's this bulbous. How would you describe it? it almost looks like a little uh, uh, munchkins from uh, Dunkin' Donuts munchkins. Oh, the little. The, the, the little low beams. The, the, yeah, there's like the low beams are like this. Looks like a little munchkin from Dunkin' Donuts, and you yeah. just squash it a little bit. Kind of reminded me of that. I think I was just hungry. And then there's a, a slab in between, like a, how, how, how am I describing this? It, well, there's, there's a stack. Yeah. There's a stack of, I want to say, four or five low beams. And then there's driving lights. Yeah. And they're, 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 they're separated by little black plastic. Uh, he, you know what? I'm going to finish my analogy. It's no. munchkins with saltines <laughs> and then munchkins and saltines and munchkins and saltines. And now when I go, that's exactly what I'm going to think when I see this. Absolutely. I'm sure they're thrilled that I said that. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. It was, the weir it was the weirdest slash most amazing light I've ever seen in my life. I, I, you know, I've said this about other things. I, I don't want to see it on the car. I want to put it on the wall. 
It's that stunning. And it actually extended, I'm thinking about it now, it extended up the hood, what would you say? Maybe eight inches, 12 inches, a foot? Oh, at least. Meaning, meaning at it least wasn't just like a flat, let, like take the Porsche out, you know, flat, my Porsche, the flat, class, you know, headlight. That's it, right there, done. This would run a foot up, up the, up the That's hood. That's a Cadillac design hub, so all of them have it now. The ATS, the CCS, the XTS, and the ELR have that. That's pretty wild, and they had fog lights too. And this is just a, this, oh, it's killer. basically it's a big light with a bunch of leather inside. But here's the thing, when you're driving on the road, yeah. and if this thing comes up behind you. Oh yeah, there's no mistaking it. It's, it's that's true. And then I lied. The last little bit is the grill. The grill, I think the grill is actually larger, at least than mine, the 2009. Physically larger um, on the face of the, on the face of the vehicle. But it's not the bling bling in your face chrome. Did you buy your Escalade new? No, I bought it off a guy who bought it like two or three months after. Like he bought it new two or three months and I needed to bail out of it. He was a customer of mine. It just was too good to pass up, so I, I bought it. And then I had it, I, I had it for like eight months and then I got rid of it because I was like, this is ridiculous. It's, I wasn't even married at that point. <laughs> it's like, what do I need a four-door gargantuan uh, thing? So anyways, yeah, it, uh, so the new ones have the, uh, I can never remember the name. What are we calling it? Satin. Satin, well, he's got some names. They've given it names like Gazalia, Gazagalino. Yeah, so Satin. Some, the marketing people came up with this and it was funny. I asked Dave, I was like, these names he goes no I just I just say I want that to finish and I give them the car and they come up like the paint is not it was it was like a purple like a dark purple car we shot yeah but of course it's not called purple it's called majestic plum oh my gosh it's purple it's purple so yeah it's satin and then the other cool aspect for all you detailing nerds because you're listening to a detailing podcast is uh, I did some paint measurements the paint thickness gauge oh, on there yeah, I just wanted to see uh, what, where it would be. And it, it started off, my first reading was, um, was 42 mils, which, uh, you know, if you're a detailer, you know that that's like off the charts in terms of painting. So I thought maybe I had gotten a weird reading. I did inside the door frame. Inside the door frame is about 16 or 18, which would normally be high for the outside of the car. Normally, let's say, again, a standard vehicle would be three to four mils, five mils, and that's kind of high for the inside. The outside would be four, five, and six mils, and you would do the math between those two mils and figure out what the clear coat is. So we're talking like eight times the thickness on the paint of the one we were looking at. Yeah, and then that's when we asked the guy, and this, this was clearly, you know, this was a, yeah. I don't know if they call it a show car, but what would you call it? A this is a pre-production prototype. Yeah. Um, they have pilot-built cars. And yeah, so there's nothing wrong with it. It's no. more like they spent more time painting it and, and I could even see once they opened up the hood all the, um, the pieces that connect the hood with the actual frame, those are painted like really well. Like the, there was no break in, you know when you open up a hood sometimes and it's got the, like they really went to town and painted it. I gotta tell you, we were lucky that they yeah. opened the hood. If we had asked one of the marketing folks, they would not have opened that hood because remember, there was the red cable coming in to run the, oh, That's the true. tower. That's true. They never would want you to see that. Yeah, but I think you and I are both very uh, worldly in the fact that we know what, like, I totally get that you can't have the hood open or the doors open for hours at a time and then have the car start. Yeah. So basically what they did is they just ran an external 
power source to it and, ha and had to hook it up to the battery. So it didn't look very pretty, but, but, it works. You, it, but it of course, it's a trickle. I like, I, I'm, I would never downgrade a vehicle because it, like, people are going to open the door a thousand times a day. The, door, the battery's going to die. It makes sense. So exactly. I, uh, I think we respected their. You know, I'm thinking about this, and there's one thing I think is missing. I, I, I can't say for a fact this was not offered, but I didn't see anything, any evidence to the contrary. There's no panoramic sunroof. I would think a vehicle like this, it's... You mean for the back seat, too? Yeah, you know how, you, like, in the CTS, most most luxury cars nowadays... They go from the front all the way yeah, to the back? Yeah, the whole, the glass mm. is the whole roof. Oh, you know why? Because there's a, there's the the uh, video thing. Oh, but you can move that. Really? Like, uh... Oh, you can put it in the seats. Yeah, you can put the headrest. There's a, there was an option, and, uh... I forgot what car is it. Which car is it? There's a car where you could get the... Oh, it's the Mercedes. There's a Mercedes you were able to get the TV on the ceiling if you got the small sunroof, mm -hmm. or if you got the panoramic roof, it goes down to the seats. Got it. To the headrest. Yeah, they definitely didn't offer that. And I think that that's one thing that they really should have offered, especially for that. They put all that work on that beautiful interior. I'd like to see that sunlight, you know, literally it's drenched in sunlight. Yeah. 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 I think that's one missed opportunity. We're going to have to have a conversation with those people. I think we we'll to slap Dave around a little bit. Which is we'll coming up very soon. I think we need to leave in like 15 minutes. Yeah, I think so. So what else, what else am I missing? What, what, what did you see that I didn't see? What's exciting about this thing? Uh, like I said, it's all the pieces that come together. The, the bullet points are this. It's, not, it's no longer bling, bling chrome. It's satin. It goes with the wheels, too. We didn't talk about that. But there's still 22s. Um, the, the, 20s the, the 20s look better, I think. Yeah, in terms of styling, the 20s look better. Oh, and because they're satin. And because they're, f they're all satin. The, the 22s have, um, I'm not chrome sure. Satin. Chrome and satin. I'm not sure I would, I would pick those as design for, for me. It's not, no. it wasn't really my thing. But um, so just picture the normal, what was it, one, two, three, four, like six or seven spoke or whatever it was. And there was chrome running up the middle of the spoke. And on the sides of each spoke was the satin. Interesting, cool, but, you know, whatever, not my thing. Uh, so yeah, we saw that. We also saw, you forgot, my favorite part, the liner inside. This is for the detailing nerds again. We, gotta, we always got to bring it back to detailing. It's all about detailing. That's right. It's all about the details. Uh, inside the wheel well, if you remember. Oh, yes. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, there's probably only one person, and I will take the <laughs> only one person who's going to go to that event and go, oh, look at the, uh, the wheel well. So in the wheel well, if you remember the old Cadillacs, um, the, the old Escalades, they had the hard plastic that you could put a solvent-based dressing, which by, you know, everybody knows we don't want them to use solvent-based dressings because they harden rubber, but if the plastic is already hard, um, it's what they call undercarriage shine or something like that. That's uh, another branding word for it. But essentially, you can put a tire dressing, uh, water-based or solvent-based, and it'll turn it very shiny. And we used to do that, I used to do that to mine in the winter because when you were driving all the gunk and the mud and the crap that would kick up, it would hit the, uh, the uh, hydrophobic thing, which is a solvent-based or an oil. Oil is obviously hydrophobic, doesn't like water. So the mud would hit it and then fall back down. And so then when I would wash the car and, and uh, spray the water in the wheel well, all that gunk would come out much easier. Anyways, they took that out and they made it um, better for the consumer slash more difficult for the detailer. So I, there's probably one one millionth of a percentage that they lost on, that, <laughs> on, on doing that with that car. But it looked, the, 
Oh, it looks to great. Me it's a better build quality. It's a, it, there's zero doubt in that. Better build quality. It actually, they do that so that the rocks and the gunk and all the crap that could potentially hit the inside doesn't actually make little noise on the inside of the car. So FYI, when you're detailing uh, a brand new es the 2015 Escalade, you're going to have to either vacuum or use your uh, like dog hair brush to kind of uh, brush out the, uh, the, the fibers, much the same as, you notice in Volkswagens, they have like that carpet that's kind of that nappy. It's like what oh, they have yeah. in the trunk, but they have it in the inside. For a detailer, that's just like, I will try to not do a car. Like if there's a choice between doing a Volkswagen and a worse car that's a Honda Civic, I'll take the Honda Civic. Really? Yeah, because it's like going to the beach and you got your clothes, you know, you just, like you take a shower and it's like you still got sand coming out everywhere. Yeah. Same thing with those uh, Volkswagens. You can never, ever get all of it out of there. That's it's crazy. almost impossible. But anyways, it's... Detailing stories for you. Oh, gosh. Once a year. I used to actually... Detail once a year, you wash your car? No, I... No, right I, after you take a shower I, once a year? I was the guy that, that washed his car every week, religiously. Yes. I was the guy that detailed it and cleaned the engine every time. But once a year, I would pull the wheels off. That's very exciting. Like that. That's good. But I'm going to have to say, everyone listening to this. <laughs> it's not enough. No, they're just, they're just like, uh, Moto Man, that's not impressive. Yeah, I just lost my nose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What is an impressive number? How many times a year do you take the No, it doesn't. It, it, there's no number. It's, um, for me, it's more about like track days and stuff. So if I go to the track day, I, I try to take the wheels off because the wheels are just beat to all heck when you get back. So. In theory, because I clean up, I keep it so often. It, I say this example all the time. I'm sure these guys are listening and rolling their eyes, but it's like cutting the lawn. If you let the lawn grow forever, it's just a pain in the butt. And sometimes you can't use the same lawnmower. You got to get one of the bigger ones and the stronger ones or whatever to clean it. So in theory, um, if you keep up with it every week. So in your example or your question, you know, doing the wheels, I do it so often and and the right regimen, the right right way of doing it that I don't need to remove my wheels all the time. Now this is this is kind of our conversation has come full circle. Mm. Wouldn't that piece of advice apply to anything in life? That's true. You stay on top of things, you maintain whatever it is in your life. So much easier. Yes. Patience. Patience. Say the word. I can't say it. <laughs> Patience. Patience, thank you. Uh, and persistence. And just focus on one aspect. So on, uh, on that amazing piece of information, that, yes. that life lesson you have given these nice people. Yes. Perhaps we should go up to them again. We should. We should start charging them for this podcast. What do you think? I think we should because we are giving them fifty dollars a podcast. Forget about this Tony Robbins. <laughs> teach you anything about life. You need to learn life from us. Detailing podcasts. Yes, I love it. So what am I going to teach you, nice people? History. You're a history man. I'm a history man. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the car archaeologist. So we're now about to. So we're in my office downtown here, and we're about to, I guess, hoof it. Or are we getting a cab? Well, we can hoof it, or, you know, being that we're the, you know, we're the rollers that we are, we could roll up to the old hotel there that I was staying at and get a ride to Cadillac. I think we should do that because and we have... experience Cadillac. We have camera bags, which are very heavy. Yes, we do. And I'm delicate. Really? Mm -hmm. You're a rock climber. You're <laughs> All right, so let's go up there. Uh, as always, thanks for the Moto Man being on the podcast. Uh, we'll have much more coming up. Check out all the videos. These are going to be... Super cool. The Moto Man's going to have a really beautifully done, um, I have to say, sneak peek. I, I, you know, they say sneak peek, and I kind of, I think they throw that around a little bit. Uh, sneak peek of it, like that was actually a sneak peek. 
Like they were literally like kind of like pulling off the sheet, meaning not, you know, they didn't, in theory, like nobody else was there. It was no, like, no one was there, and we got Dave for a solid half an hour on our own. Oh, he was this super cool. This is the guy that built the car, and he gave us insight on things that you wouldn't get elsewhere. So when do you think that video is going to go up? Um, provided I stay up all night. Uh, hopefully that film will go up tomorrow, probably Wednesday at the latest. Okay, so for people listening to this, it is now, uh, let's give real dates. You never okay. want to give real dates. You know what, why don't we say this? It's going to be up Wednesday at the latest. Give me the, what, what, what's Today's Wednesday? Today's 7th. Of October, 2013. October, 2008. It's going to be up on the 9th at the latest. All right, I'm going to try to put this podcast up. I don't know. Your, your eyeballs just got big. Uh, yeah, as soon as... I just, real, I, just, I just painted myself into a corner. That's, see, this is what I do. This, this is what I do. So, uh, see, people think you and I have huge staffs. Yes. They think that you and I have, like, separate editing bays with, like, different editors that work on multiple... I have minions time. everywhere. Yes. You are talking to the editor. <laughs> the creative editor, the yeah. whatever editor, the guy who details and washes his own car. Yeah, so we're going to... I'm going to try to get this up if I can get home, depending on... What's the band? The... Uh, Far West Club or something? In some, I don't know. Some. Uh, I'm there, dude. I'm there to see cars. Yeah. So there's I'm bands, the there's the people, there's, there's smoke shows, and then they come out, and yeah. it's, so it's a it's a big to do. So I'm gonna try to take some behind the scenes footage, take you guys along. Anyways, watch the Motoman's video, uh, check out my behind the scenes, just because, like I said it, uh, in the video, it's just it, this is just different and cool and weird, all packed into one. So I thought uh, I'd take you guys along. And these guys, I'm gonna, can I ask a question of the audience? You may. I'm not sure they're going to be able to respond. But well, no, they can respond. How? Tell me how they can respond. 2013, you should know this. On uh, Twitter? But do you have a Twitter handle? Matter of fact, I do. <laughs> it is Motoman TV, all one word. M-O-T-O-M-A-N TV, all one word. And guess what my Facebook handle is? Motoman TV? Bingo! Now I'm a genius. What? Instagram. Motoman TV slash amazing guy? What? Well, I'd love to put the amazing guy. Motoman TV. Oh, one word. amazing. For extra points, Google Plus. Motoman TV. You got it. Oof. So this is what I want to hear. You, you guys like those it. shameless plugs? Put aside, put aside the shameless plugs and the jokes here. Do you guys want to hear more of this stuff? Let us know. Oh, yeah, for I sure. I think you should get on your Facebook, your Twitter. Hit us both. Like, when you get on Twitter, hit Motoman TV, all one word, Motoman TV, all one word. Oh, my hit God. Ammo <laughs> underscore NYC, ammo underscore NYC. Sound as good. No, no. It's so easy. Yeah. You should have thought about that. Ammo NYC. Well, if you put ammo, A M M O, and then NYC, people think it's like Ammon. Ammon. Oh, yeah, so it kind of separates it out. Otherwise, well, either way, I think these guys, hey, let us know. Do you want do you want to hear about more of this stuff, more history? Let us know. And Absolutely. Because we got a bunch of stuff. And we still have to talk about Corvettes. We do. We got to talk about all that Nissan stuff I've got. I need to learn stuff. Well, I, got, I got a lot to teach. Edumacate me, please. Yeah, I got, I got a lot to teach. I'm excited. All right, we need to go and see this uh, craziness and watch the video. And uh, coming up next is Facebook questions for for what? For you? Facebook questions. Well, they can ask me questions. I'd be happy to answer their questions. But if they want honest answers about detailing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So coming up next, we're going to answer I your Facebook questions. You did? I now, my intern, but I now have my interns use two buckets. Oh, wonderful. And when I wash a car, I use two buckets. I'm teaching, I'm, if I can even teach you, I mean, the sky's the oh, limit. Just, dude, it, it was all about the wheel section of the 912 engine. That's what 
was like Yeah, that, that video's got some legs. That's brilliant. doing well. I got, it's doing what really well. You know, I haven't checked in a while, but it was approaching half a million. Crazy. Yeah. Think about that. Half a million views to clean a car. Effectively, to clean a car. That was fun, too. That's a cool car. Yeah. Anyways, stay tuned. We're going to do Facebook questions right now. Thanks for coming on. Well, that was Moto Man in my office downtown, and you can hear the sirens going off and people walking in and out because we were still working. It was uh, on the fly, on the go, on location kind of thing, so it was kind of fun. So anyways, uh, I forgot to mention, I got to see Donald Trump and his lovely wife. Um, can't remember her name, but she was there and he was there, and people were going crazy taking pictures of them. They sat front row at the uh, event. And then it was actually really exciting. I got to see the Far East movement. I for, totally forgot who they were, and I was like, I said to to Moto Man, "Hey, let's let's it's I it's late. Let's go home, kind of thing." Because we've been there since eleven o'clock. Because we got such um, really early access to the car, and we got to see it before everybody else. Um, and they came out, and I was like, "All right, cool, whatever." And they they played that song that I really like, which is the um, like a G six. I'm not going to sing it for you, but. Um, it was pretty cool, and they, they they were really loud, and it just was like, whoa, it was a big shock. So I stayed and watched them, and that was kind of fun. So anyways, uh, thank you to Cadillac to giving us all the access that we had. Take a look at the uh, behind-the-scenes video. So I'm, I'm in Moto Man's video uh, where I go over um, some of my experience with the old Escalade I had and the new one and point out some cool things. So that was fun. Uh, but then I actually shot a behind-the-scenes because I had never gone to any of these things, and I wanted to – anytime I do something – uh, that I think is potentially going to be relatively cool. I bring a camera and and uh, like to bring you guys along because it's just fun. So anyways, let's make our transition into talking about Facebook questions. I'm going to take one right now because it is 2 o'clock in the morning. And it's, uh, it's from Mike Saunders. Say, hey, Larry, I'm a big fan. I've learned how to learned how a lot of tips and techniques from you on proper car care. So awesome. Thank you. Uh, I'm trying to start my own detailing company. I was wondering how you did how you marketed yourself and handled to the point that you have so the, that you have the clientele now. I mangled that, but you know what he's talking about. I detail all my friends and family cars now, and I also detail cars, uh, one of my friends at a hair salon once a week. If you get back to me whenever you chance, that would be greatly appreciated. So right now I'm getting like way more emails than I ever thought I would get, so um, I appreciate everybody's patience. I'm trying to get back to them, but right now I have 1,538 in my email, in my inbox. So um, I'm getting to, uh, and I love it. So thank you so much for that. So the question is basically, how did I get to the position I that I did and what did I do marketing-wise to get there? So here is, uh, like everything else I do, it's not just a straight answer because it's very hard to just give a yes, uh, no, uh, put a sign out in front of your building. You know, it doesn't, there's lots of questions. So the, the first thing that I would, uh, you know, suggest to you, Mike, is what sort of business model are you trying to do? Are you trying to be uh, everything to everybody, which is... It's not right or wrong. It just is. Are you a tunnel wash? Are you a regular hand car wash? Are you a mobile detailer? Those dictate a lot of the um, actions that you'll do uh, with regards to marketing yourself or getting exposure. So um, to not bore you with my total story, and I guess we can probably do that another day, but um, I'm not a tunnel wash. And a tunnel wash, a marketing would be something like, hmm, you know, $6 car wash, get it in and out, that sort of thing. But based on your email and lots of emails that I get specifically about this is how do you get the clients that you have? Meaning, you know, the Lamborghinis and the Paganis and the Bugattis and all these other 
amazing things that I'm extremely privileged and uh, believe me, I, I'm aware of how lucky and uh, you know uh, privileged I am, and I'm very grateful for that. But um, it took a long time to get those, and it took you know 15 years of being an insane, crazy person because I just go and go and go and go and go to the point where I'm, you know, my, my wife and my mother think that I'm putting my health in risk there because I'll just keep working. I don't care the temperature or what have you. But the point of the story is uh, I definitely put my time in and word of mouth spread. And more importantly, once you sort of get your foot in the door and that sort of hierarchy of, of people or that class of people, if you will, or I can't think of a better word, it sort of spreads around, um, and then you can then work your way up into higher and higher and higher, uh, meeting people with more collections and things of that nature. And at some point, and I'll, I'll answer your question about the marketing, at some point, you have to learn to, I'm trying to find the right word, but not weed out, but you have to find the ones that are profitable versus not profitable. And I think I'm going to be speaking about that at the Mobile Tech Expo this year in January 2020. 14, um, I think of the year with 2015 with this thing and now it's 2013, I'm losing my mind. But anyways, I'm going to be talking about how to um, figure out what's profitable because remember, profit isn't an evil thing. Profit is a, is a thing that you need so that you can survive and go another day. Um, just nowadays with the, you know, the downturn of the economy, you know, it's sort of a negative word and it's not. So back to the, the business model. You can't, it's very difficult to just grab, you know, multiple people with Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Yes, of course you can grab one or two because those guys are usually concerned about their, their paint. Um, but it's, it's not usually a sustainable thing. Again, it depends on the demographics. I'm also in New York, in Manhattan and Westchester, Westchester and, you know, that and LA are probably the two, uh, you know, wealthiest areas that can sustain that sort of, uh, marketing and things of that nature. So to answer the question, I, I don't have, uh, you know, I never took out ads in the paper and never really put signs outside. I mean, I had a sign on my old car wash, of course, cause that would be insane not to, but, um, I didn't hand out flyers. I definitely didn't give discounts. That's, um, that's a whole other topic for another day, but giving discounts is, um, you know, what I would say to customers sometime is, you know, some of them would come in let's say the package was, I don't even know, $200. I don't even know what for. Just call it a round number, $200. I say, well, you know, uh, you know, I can, uh, why don't we do it for $175? And I would always look at them and go, okay, $175. I said, I'm going to cut you a deal. Why don't we do it for like $25 bucks or $20? Bucks? How about $21? And I wasn't trying to be a wise guy. I was going to say, my, and they look at me and they kind of turn their head a little bit. And, you know, FYI, never be a wise guy. Um, and this wasn't that case. I wasn't being a jerk about it. I just wanted their brain to click and have it kind of shut, uh, stop as if I took my hands and went <laughs> kind of like that, where it just, it made them go like, wait, wait, wait what is that? what's going on? And in that time where their brain sort of stopped, I would say to them, I'll do any amount of work that you want, meaning I'll do $25 worth of work, I'll do $200 worth of work, and I'll do $800 worth of work. It's really a matter of time and what you're trying to accomplish. And I said, I can't discount what I'm giving you because I'm giving you that much labor. It's, it's, I, I can't remove something that's there to make it unprofitable. I, I can't do something that's going to cost me money because why would I do it? I, I wouldn't be able to pay my employees or pay my mortgage or any of that sort of thing. 
So when I came from it, from that perspective, 99% of the time, most people didn't ask me because they knew the level of work that I was doing was, was worthy of that money. Um, but I, I sort of uh, playfully, if you will, broached the, the subject uh, in that sort of manner so that they could get the point like, okay, Larry's not, you know, I'm not trying to gouge anybody with prices, but if you want a certain level of detail, that's this, you know, X price is what you're going to have to pay. Um, and then people say, well, you know, that's not when well, I'm, I'm looking for this and this and that. Um, and I want this for half price, but I want you to do, you know, I want, I, I want X, but I want X divided by two in, to pay. And then I would say, Hey, listen, there's a guy down the street. He's a really nice guy. Um, and, th- and this is a real example. I say, he pumps gas, meaning he's a gas station, but on, you know, after hours or on the weekends, he, you know, he does try to make a little extra money in doing detailing. And I would literally point them down the street, but no ill will. That guy was my friend. He just, you know, that was just one avenue of what he did. I, I said, I do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm a professional. So it's, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, I guess right off the bat, never discount your your prices for one thing. And then you have to put your time in and and, and go along and get experience. And, um, you know, in that sort of territory as well, I'm bouncing all over the place because my mind is thinking about, all these things. And it's not just one answer. Like put, put an ad in, you know, uh, some magazine or just, I never did that. That's, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just, I'm telling you what I did, uh, and didn't do. But when you get into people of that caliber, I'll call it, you have to sort of, not only do you have to walk the walk that goes without a give, you know, it goes without even saying you have to do it. You have to have a, you know, you have to be a proficient detailer. You have to be able to um, you know, do technical things and clear bras and blah, 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 all these little things you got to be careful of. The big thing I find with that sort of clientele, remember, I'm trying to answer your question specifically um, as to how I got that clientele, is you got to be able to talk the talk as well. And I know that most people say, oh, you got to walk the walk. You have to be able to have a conversation with them and talk to them and find out what their needs are and what they want. And um, there are opportunities for upselling. Hey, what about if I kept track of your you know, you're at, you know, 10 cars that you have or whatever, and told you when it's, you know, proper time to get it clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them are like, I just don't want to deal with it. I want to get in a car that's clean and not have to think about it. So there's other things that you can do to facilitate um, cleaning their cars by making their life easier in terms of pick up the car, which I'm not a big advocate of that because there's lots of insurance involved in that. But um, because I'm mobile, I would go to them. I'd make their life easier and I could charge more for it. So it's a long-winded way to say there isn't just an answer um, where putting out an ad or handing out flyers or whatever. I just thought that was what we call too down market, meaning I didn't, I was really proud of what I did. I worked my butt off. I charged uh, a premium for what I was doing because um, I felt as if I deserved it. And I did because I worked really hard as anybody does. And I didn't discount and I looked the guy right in the eye and I did the best I possibly could. And 99% of the time people are happy. Of course, you're going to get you know people who aren't. That's just part of life. But um, I know that's not a fun answer. Um, and it kind of goes with everything I've said in the past where I'm not just telling you to take a magic pill and all of a sudden you're going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. You have to kind of put the time in and the and the effort in to, to grab those kind of clients. So um, maybe that's a lame answer. I don't know. But I didn't put any signs out. I didn't put any flyers and I didn't, uh, uh, you know, at that point, I didn't really embrace Facebook and all that, all that kind of thing and show you, Hey, look, I can polish paint. You know, it's like every 
you know, thing is, is about polishing paint. And it kind of makes me laugh sometimes because in a nice way, I'm not in a, in a mean way or anything. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I just think we focus so much on polishing the paint that we forget about, like, we shouldn't really have to polish the paint if we know how to, you know, if we keep up with the regular things, meaning we shouldn't have to go to the, to get liposuction if we, you know, maintain the, the, uh, healthy, uh, you know, eating regimen or whatever you get, you get, you get where I'm going. It's now two thirty or whatever it is. So, um, hopefully, uh, Mike, that, that answers a little bit. I think you need to, um, if you're just starting off your business, I think you need to walk before you can run. And, and I mean that in the, you know, the nicest way possible, get your feet under you, um, get out there, word of mouth, um, heck even knock on doors, that kind of thing. But, uh, don't give any discounts. I know that sounds crazy. Um, cause once you go down, you really can't go back up and, um, you got to put your time in and, and show people, you know, what you're doing. And, and like I said, you can talk the talk as well as walk the walk. Cause that's the type of people that you want who, um, they're going to be watching everything you do. And they generally speaking, they don't just get the money from being, um, less educated than, than not. So they're usually educated people and they want to know that the, the, the guy who's working on their car is also educated, understand, uh, educated in life and school and all that kind of thing, as well as educated in the car uh, and the detailing and the skill that they're paying you for. So it's, uh, I don't know, can't put my finger on it, but there's lots of things that you can do to market your business slash yourself to get the, to get those Lamborghinis and, and the things that most people uh, want to do. Anyways, uh, if you have any other questions for me, shoot me on uh, Facebook. I'm trying to get better on that, but I'm just getting pummeled with questions because you guys are amazing. I'm shooting tons of videos. I probably have six or seven or eight, I don't even know, in the queue. Uh, I'm going to put this up right now, this podcast. I'm going to come out in the next day or so with the Bagani Huayra uh, behind-the-scenes video. I'm going to come out with a video from this, uh, you know, the today with the 2015 Cadillac. And then I'm going to be appearing in the Moto Man uh, really nice video, like the real video, not my little GoPro thing that I shot. Um, but anyways, as always, guys, thanks for listening. I appreciate it very much. You're just as mental and crazy as I am about detailing if you made it all the way through this podcast. We'll have a lot more coming up. And, uh, oh, yeah, I got to do my uh, my plugs for my, my friends. TST, Smoking Tire, those guys are the best. Uh, Matt Farah and uh, Zach and all the boys are amazing. Hooniverse, love it best podcast uh uh along with uh, tst and of course shout engine chris my man if you want a podcast go to him he's hooked this uh this up and and made it made it happen it's a lot easier than you might think as always uh visit my website i'd be very grateful for that ammonyc.com watch the drive channel hopefully uh next uh, two days on wednesday we're going to come out with the ktm motorcycle how to detail like the most caked on muddy disgusting motorcycle i've ever seen so that's kind of fun uh, so that's youtube.com slash drive. Check out my Facebook page. I'm now starting to get, uh, I know how old I sound, starting to get more into Twitter. So keep me up, uh, keep up to speed with me on that, Ammo NYC, and Instagram, Ammo, NYC, Ammo underscore NYC. So uh, again, love you guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.